1: Hear that podcast growling, made and angry. Hear that co-host shouting, it's danger and Jay. All right, welcome into the latest edition to hear that podcast Growlin, Paul Ener, Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic here with you on the walkout on a day where the Bengals go into Tennessee and pull off a grinding, gritty, tough. Go to the Thesaurus, Jay. We're going deep into the Thesaurus this, for this one today. 20 to 16 victory against the Titans. It was, uh, slobber knocker can we you can we slobber knock i feel like this is probably a slobber knocking opportunity
2: well, I, is it cold enough for a slobber knocker oh it's cold I, enough i guess it enough. is i'm warm i mean it was warm in the press box but uh you I, I have bludgeoning and bruising in my lead of my mm. story so there's a couple more
1: you got a bludgeon i feel like that's important <laughs> uh it, there, it was all of those things and more it was sort of uh you know uh, on the broadcast, they talked about how Brian Callahan said before the game that Tennessee just the only thing that's keeping them from being the AFC North is the fact that they're not. I mean, by every mm-hmm. style, it was sort of a an old school. Maybe they might have just been the Houston Oilers bringing out your Earl Campbell's and your Eddie George references. Right. I mean, for the type of team they are, the way that they play, the physical nature that Tennessee wins games, the, mm-hmm. a, a sound brand of tough football that is one where one In the trenches, that is how Tennessee wins. So, for the Bengals, a team sometimes slotted into the finesse category because of Burrow and the weapons and and the outside passing game. To come into Tennessee, to win this game with physicality, to win this game in the trenches on the offensive line and on the defensive line, Against a team that prides itself on that as much as any in football shows you where the Bengals are at as far as a very real, as you should know by now, contender in the AFC, the versatility of the way that they can win, and the level that they're playing at right now. I mean, it shows everything that they can be and the different ways that they can do it. No better example than punching the Titans of all teams in the mouth up front.
2: Yeah. The finesse thing is a good point because it's, it's you could say it was beating a team at their own game, but I don't think this was, I don't think this was like a major step outside of who the Bengals are. They, I think this defense can play that way if they have to, they just don't have to. Sometimes it's you get in these games that are shootouts and it is viewed as more of a finesse team because of what Burrow and the offense can do. But that, what they did today, that defense—I mean, that—that's—that's that's how playoff games are won. That's—that's that's how the big games late in the year are won. And it—it it is. It's not—it's not like they did something completely different, but to still beat a team at their own game and do it so well, uh, it was noticeable. It never felt like, even when things—they are making all those mistakes in the first half, all the penalties. Uh, Tennessee get builds the lead it never felt like oh it's it's not their day because they were just manhandling Derrick Henry in that Tennessee offensive line and you just you, that's the faith you have in Burrow that you keep it close and you get down to the end and he's going to make plays and that's exactly what happened
1: Joe Burrow after the game says quote this is the kind of game that great teams win mm-hmm. and i agree with him i mean you know tough road environments team teams like that stopping what they do best and not making the kind of mistakes that kill teams. I mean, and they made a bunch. I mean, they left a lot of plays out there. They had the, the first half that was marred with penalties specifically on special teams and just mistakes that were kind of killing them, but they didn't let it they didn't let it kill them. They they didn't let it set them off and it was really a tenet of last year's championship run and, and, and Burrow sort of referenced that this is the way a lot of those wins felt last year, including the one in Tennessee. It yeah. was so similar and feel to that in that, you know, they they just kind of found a way to win and make plays, but it wasn't, you know, that was chalked up to luck last year. Right? Turnovers. No, yeah. turnovers that went their way, balls pop. This was not that. I thought they okay. overcame their own mistakes and left some more plays out there where they looked like they could have won this game by more. Here's the thing, and I, I want to make sure that we do talk more about the defense, but I came away particularly impressed with the offensive line. Jay, you wrote about it this week, the full circle nature of this week, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the what happened nine sacks and on 37 pass attempts last year against the Titans in the playoff game was the impetus for the move. Kappa, Harris, fourth round, Volson, Loyal Collins. That the whole playoff run certainly you saw it, but that game, you it's unsustainable, right? You can't win like that as many times as you did today. 37 pass attempts, mm-hmm. one sack. One single sack, one that was, and another one, an intentional grounding that was great protection. I think you're in three to four seconds back there. Burrow just slips and throws an intentional grounding there. But I mean, they had incredible protection. He had time. Uh, and then the running game. This is and I don't know how much people know because they don't probably watch a lot of Titans football. The Titans defense is one of the best running defenses in the league. They lead the league. In rush defense success percentage. They're the best. Mm-hmm. Bengals running backs today, rushing success percentage 42.5%. That is better than the league average. Uh, and that was outside of a game against the Colts six weeks ago. Uh, the the best the team has done against them since the opener. That is unexpected. That's without Joe Mixon. Exactly, P. Ryan and Travion Williams out there making plays. That says a lot about where this line is at.
2: And I mean, Travion, or I'm sorry, Samaje ended up at 3.4, but for a while there, he was right up around five yards, and it wasn't a couple two or three yarders, and then break off a long one to inflate the average. I mean, he every time he got the ball, he was running power, five yards, six yards, nine yards. It, It was just over and over again, and you're right. It's the the offensive line today was was really good. To the point where it, it was almost as if Burrow was it, there were some times it, it felt like he was expecting the pressure. Like he's got that clock in his head and he knows this is about the time I need to get rid of the ball and he really didn't have to because it would the, the pressure or the protection was holding up so well. And and Travion with that huge 16-yard run down the sideline. It was 20 to 16 and the kind of game it was it's hard to say that's impressive but it was impressive what they did um offensively it wasn't the explosive nature that you're used to seeing but that the way they just took it to tennessee who in addition number two total run rush defense number one dvoa rush defense i mean that is a legitimate group and they they finished with 108 yards uh Burrow getting free on runs, mentioned Travion, P. Ryan finished with 58, just really, really impressive.
1: Burrow mentioned that specifically, like it wasn't just being able to get to a second read. It was being able to create scramble drill plays, Mm -hmm. create with his legs, have running lanes and be able to make those decisions quickly, not because things were breaking down, but just because the the natural state of the play. And and that's such a huge, you had the one play, the one sack was like, oh, that was very familiar that the the interior pass rush came and backed him in and threw him down. It was like, oh, that you thought maybe is that what this day is going to be? And it just never happened again. That wasn't the way it was. There was the extra time. I want to point out a couple of plays. One is, you know, you get the four-minute drill at the end as they're trying to run it down. It seems like they're going to run the clock. They call the one-on-one deep ball to T. Higgins. Okay. The last thing you can do is take a negative play in this spot. You're trying to run four-minute drill. There's a risk inherent in throwing the ball deep. The confidence in your line. You cannot make a double move call deep ball mm-hmm. there if you don't have confidence that your line, the one that gave up nine sacks to this team in January, can hold long enough to allow you to throw it up. And they 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 did it. They held up fine uh, and throws it up and Higgins makes a play. Same way with the deep ball uh, against McCreary from, uh, for the touchdown. You know, the the hit comes a second too late this time. Simmons gets the hit on him, uh, but it's a second after the ball's gone. Whereas back in January, was it wasn't. The difference in that line, the solidification of the offensive line, creating those things uh, that, you know, and, you know, Higgins versus McCreary is just. A hysterical, like, relapse for me to all of our pre draft conversations as we sifted through all the cornerbacks in this draft. McCreary, man, you love, but you can't live with that height and reach. He's, he's has the shortest arms of anybody, and that's fine. Hide that on the inside, right? Hide that in the slot. There's nowhere to hide one on one against T. Higgins. Burrow did just that throw it up. You see, Mm -hmm. Burrow, knowing the situation, knowing the game, knowing the players that are out there, knowing that that's McCreary against. The ultimate high point guy, T. Higgins, that's as big of a mismatch and a jump ball as you can find in this league. And Burrow just threw it up to him. Credit to him for knowing that all of that starts with the line being able to give them time. And after all that stuff is is stuff that probably gets glossed over as we talk about other things. But, you know, just the ability to even call those plays comes from the faith that they built throughout the game.
2: Yeah, and they, they took over with six oh seven left, and Tennessee never got the ball again. And a part of that's due to the the brain lock on the the personal foul, but that they, they they were just they were so dominant in that you can call it four minute because that's essentially what that is. We talked about you know last week about the ninety two, the ninety three yard drives, and they only had one third down. They didn't get a they didn't face a third down on that drive today to end the game until they kind of just were intentionally slamming P Ryan into the line to get the the Titans to burn their final timeout. It wasn't until after the 2-minute warning that they hit the they got to a third down and they it it was those plays. It was like you're talking about the the stutter double move by T Higgins. It 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 wasn't with it just basic plays, eat the clock. They they took that shot. They I thought they were really smart. You see teams do this sometimes snap the ball with too much time left on the clock. Yeah. And they stayed in the huddle forever. Mm-hmm. And they were coming out of the huddle with 15 seconds, 12 seconds, uh, so that they didn't have to put the offensive line in the down position for too long. And they were getting the line, of Burrow was snapping it with three, two seconds left every time. They just managed the clock perfectly on that final drive. And the play calling was perfect on that final drive as well.
1: Yeah, really nice four-minute drill to, to run it down, and then they get the gift uh, there at the end. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an
0: assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right.
1: One other play I want to point out before we move to the defensive line um, and, and some of the defensive stuff: mm. the touchdown to Piran. So the the, ten, the Titans have not that given up a touchdown to a running back since week one. Um, that's who they are, right? Not only did the Bengals get a touchdown by a running back, they showed up in thirteen personnel with Akima Deneje and Mitch Wilcox and Stanley Morgan on the outside also known as holding up that sign that says we running right <laughs> like that's it, they they were just not faking anything and not from the 2 i mean out there from the 7, seven. right yeah, and seven. and they said we're running And this wasn't at the two minute warning. That's a chance to do a tendency breaker. We hear them talk about that sometimes come out there in a tendency that they know you have and try to do the opposite off of it. So I'm thinking, okay, is this going to be some kind of play action? Try to throw something back to somebody. Throw it to a -A energy. I want it. I want it. I want Mm -hmm. an energy pass. But are they going to try to do that? tendency breaker, right? No. Mm -hmm. They pounded the smash mouth football game in Tennessee at Tennessee and they ran it down their throat. There's Kappa, there's Paris, there's identity in the end zone, pushing guys into the end zone, and and Pirine basically walks up in there. I mean that stuff don't happen against Tennessee and the wherewithal dating and go go back go back to play one Pirine with the stiff arm bouncing David Long off the ground on his first carry. David Long, who is a dude, you know, I might end up all pro this year. Bounced him off the ground with a stiff arm on the first play of the game. It set the tone. That play into the end zone set the tone. And it was saying, this is who we're going to be today. We're going to hold up that sign that says we're running and we're going to push you all the way back into the end zone. I thought statement plays over the course of this game and the course of this season from a Bengals offensive line and, and up front group that is developing their identity.
2: Yeah, a statement play on a statement drive. Again, that was a 92 yard touchdown drive, and one of those gotta have it ones, just to build some momentum. They were down 10 three at that point, as we talked about earlier, making all kinds of mistakes, shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, that really was a big boost because Tennessee was getting the ball first coming out in the second half. Um, they they needed to get some kind of points there, and to do it to get a touchdown and not a field goal and get it in the manner they got it. That that really that was it was multiple statements at once on that drive.
1: Can I tell you something that stood out to me about the defense in this game, Jay, before I know you, you've, you're going deeper into that for tomorrow's story. Uh, that everyone should check out on the side, of course, um, talking to everybody in the locker room there. But one thing that I wanted to point out that that stood out to me, uh, was how many times after a stop of Derrick Henry, uh, a player would get up and just have this energy to them, pounding their mm-hmm. chest. Not just a Sam Hubbard flex or Cam Taylor Britt or Mike Hilton hopping in the backfield. at The three times that he dove in off the side and made plays, Reader doing his thing, right? I mean, there was just such a Pratt. there was such a pride mm-hmm. that you could sense and a pissed-off nature of this defense. And Zach Taylor referenced it a little bit after the game. These guys felt a little bit motivated by the fact that everyone was talking about how physical of a game this was going to be. And they wanted to prove that we're the physical team. And that showed in the way they reacted to those stops, as much as the fact that they were making them to me, that it mattered. It mattered to them that they played like this and that they would stop. It was a personal attack on them to have to sit there and hear about Derrick Henry all week. And and they were going to show you. And they ended up with 2.2 per carry for Derrick Henry.
2: Yeah. Unreal job on him. And it was Sam Hubbard talked about how just shoot your shot. He said, there was, there was times where I've got two guys on me and I just dove at his legs. Maybe I get him Maybe I don't, but if I don't, I know Cam Taylor, Britt, or Logan Wilson, or someone is coming up from the linebacker or the the secondary to make the stop. If I don't get him, and I I think people kind of roll their eyes sometimes when they talk about one eleventh and team defenses, eleven guys working together, and it is true, but it, it gets overstated. But that really was the case today, where they knew that either one guy hit him stand him up and wait for the cavalry to come in and get him to the ground. Or you had guys, little guys like Mike Hilton blitzing in, not just blitzing in, but totally telegraphing his blitz. I don't know if you remember the play, but he came off the edge, chopped down Ryan Tannehill and Mike Hilton said, yeah, um, I, I blew that. I tipped him off. He called me out. He knew I was blitzing because he caught me peeking in the backfield. And Mike's so good at timing those up. And even though the Titans knew it was coming he still goes in there and takes down Derrick Henry on that play. There was just—you're right. There was there there was a a definite energy to this defense today, and they needed it because the offense was so bad in the first half. The defense was was really kept keeping them in the game until things that the, the P Ryan Cap drive that we just talked about got it going.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you have a team, the the type of I mean, we just don't see Derrick Henry have games like this. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it just, it just doesn't happen. Um, and so it's, it's just, it's surprising anytime you you see it, but now this is twice in a row back, back in the playoff game where the, the Bengals have kind of taken it personally and DJ reader. I mean, goodness gracious, <laughs> the dude, I mean, you just saw it. It was whether it was three batted passes um, or just the way, how much he affects things in the run game where he would just blow up a gap and yeah, reroute the run. Or leave it open for Pratt and Wilson. I think that, you know, it's Zach Taylor talked after the game about how, you know, the linebackers played out their minds the previous week against the Steelers. Don't think that isn't partially because DJ Reader's back out there clearing more space for them, And you saw that big time in this game. Every time you'd, you'd see the overhead view um, on replay. You could go in and look closer from behind and see there's Reader pushing it through. And there goes Wilson and Pratt on either side of them, who both have played very well uh, and played well today. But, you know, it's just you can't say enough. You see the difference, man. You you Mm -hmm. see the difference with him out there.
2: And I mean, not just the the presence he made Eaton guys. He had two passes defended today. Um, none all year. Now I know he missed all those games. He almost had, had a third. He had got his hands on a third ball, and it ended up being tipped. And yeah. or I'm caught. sorry, ended yeah. up being caught. Yeah, so it didn't count as a pass defended. But that was part of it too, pushing the pocket back there to the point where he's he's able to get a, a big mid up in the passing lane. And and those were big plays, those pass defenses. So it was it was. I mean, B.J. Hill was just talking about how much he loves playing next to D.J. Reeder. He's just in awe of him, And he's he's like, yeah, it's nice that he makes my job a lot easier, but it's also just really fun to watch what he does.
1: And uh, and you thought it was going to still come down to the defense one more time and you might end up Mm -hmm. this game ending. We thought it was going to – it felt like, okay, the Tannehill turnover is what they're playing for, right? Like they played that way. They, they played that con- kind of a, con- I'm not going to call it a conservative game, but it was a game where Burrow was clearly playing knowing, keep it clean, let Ryan throw one to us, and that should be enough to end it. And that Zach Taylor kind of hinted at that he liked where they were at and even mentioned, you know, th- thought we might get a turnover there in the second half, but that ended up, he didn't didn't throw any interceptions, but they, they were close on a couple, the one tip in the red zone. I still don't know how no one's near a mm-hmm. ball that gets tipped up that that high. Um but you know, you you end up it seemed like they were playing that game where, you know, they were waiting. It might have come at the end, but then you get the penalty. Uh, and the Bengals never even had to go back out there. Their defense got a bit of a reprieve.
2: Yeah, and I, I asked Jesse Bates about oh, I ask a lot of the guys about this, about you know, was there was there a part of you that that was upset to see that flag, but you didn't get a chance to go back out there and really kind of put your stamp on the win with a final stop. Because honestly, I was thinking, you know, if McPherson kicks the field goal, if Titans go down and, and get a touchdown, no question in my mind, Rabel's going for two. He's slamming Derrick Henry up in there uh, like he did in the playoff game when Clay Johnston stopped him. And I was really interested to see how that final drive was going to play out. The defense had been so good all day. Could they hold up one more time? Did they want a chance? to try to hold up one more time. And uh, Jesse Bates confirmed it. You know, I, uh, I have a clip of the audio of me talking to him about just that. And then in the middle of his answer, you will hear a roar. And that roar from inside the locker room was the rest of the players watching Jacksonville get the two-point conversion to take the lead on Baltimore with 10 seconds left. Last one for you. It looked like McPherson's going to get a field goal. You guys were <laughs> to have to defend a seven-point lead but, uh, How much were you looking forward to that, knowing the way the game, the playoff game ended last year? I mean, did you guys want that on your shoulders to kind of put the line on the arm Yeah, we, we were talking about on the sideline. Um, there multiple guys on the sideline. After they threw the flag, we were hyped because the game was over. But, uh, like, damn, we want to end it. get a chance to end it ourselves. Um, so, yeah, anytime uh, something like that happens and you win a game like that, so, uh, we made it. Two point conversion, I think. Wow. So Raymond's lost, or they tied it. Got yeah. it. Yeah, Raymond lost. Oh, wow. So you guys always say you don't care about the other, the other games. So they're, that matters. They're there. Oh, I appreciate it, Jesse. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Love that, Jay. That is, that's, you know what? And that was, you know, there's a lot of talk about, okay, these games are like playoff games, right? There's been a lot of talk about that now. They're hitting that kind of playoff game mentality. um, you know, we saw that pregame from Sam Hubbard a little bit and and that's been something that's been discussed, but it's a you know, but one week at a time, I and mean, that's just that's the nature of their schedule. I mean, they're gonna feel like they've played the playoffs three times if they make another run because mm-hmm. it, it's just everybody they're playing is a playoff team from this point forward. And that there is still an eye. I mean, there's clearly an eye, though. It's it. You do mm-hmm. get into scoreboard watching season. You do embrace that. That's the fun of it. I All love right. it. Though there's no need to run from that, that. That you want Baltimore to lose. By the way, the the way that game ended. This the, the connections I love. Right. Offensive coordinator Press Taylor. Okay, for Jacksonville, mm-hmm. uh, had to dial up the two point conversion play. Uh, the the touchdown. Trevor Lawrence two. Mm-hmm. Marvin Jones with an incredible catch uh, who, who just continues to give the Bengals uh, more good vibes after being one of the greatest fifth round picks uh, that they've had in, in their history. Uh, Tyler Eifert tweeting afterwards about how the Bengals are look, look out AFC and then a go Duvall right after it was a Tyler Eifert game. It was a Tyler <laughs> Eifert, you know, five minutes Uh who, by the way, responded back to me with the phone emoji, which means I need to give him a call. I think we need to try to get him on the podcast here pretty soon. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, it was it, you just love like that stuff, and Trevor Lawrence doing that in that moment. I think that I think Zach Taylor just got head up the like expense level that he's going to go for the Christmas gift to Brother <laughs> Press this year. Like, I think a little bit maybe the nicer watch. You're going to one level up. Uh, for the uh, the Christmas gift this year, after that big win, because Bengals Ravens now both seven and four tied atop top the AFC
2: North. It's it's stunning, really, to me because we we talked about it so much about how easy the second half schedule looks for the Ravens, and they barely escaped the Panthers, and then today they lose to the Jaguars, and it, it just goes to show you can uh, it, yet the way things look like they're laid out it a lot of times it doesn't happen that way and I I thought it was a foregone conclusion conclusion that that Baltimore was winning this division and I, I think everything just got Reese well it did just get reset today they are both seven and four and tied atop the division
1: all right let's just take a quick break Was a big moment, okay, mm-hmm. because these are AFC games, right? Both teams yeah. in AFC games, which should be critical to a potential tiebreaker that it could end up if the Bengals can win that last game at home in the last week of the season. If that's where you end up, if you both end up one and one in the division, you see what happens in the rest of the way in the division, AFC could come into play. Not only that, though, I mean, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence got sack fumbled on second down, it was third down and 21 from their own 14 on that game winning two in, in under 2 minutes to go in the game down a touchdown down 7 that should be ball game they end up getting two plays uh to to convert and then end up going all the way and getting the touchdown and the two point conversion they were dead though that is baltimore should be salting that thing away that and and right after the Bengals finished that game off against the titans that is a a a stretch that we will probably be looking back on at the end of the season
2: yeah and i had no clue any of it was going on because it was just (laughs) it was i guess what there was a weather delay and that game started late and that's why it was you don't normally see that normally there's not a game an important game wrapping up in the in the post in the locker room after the game that everybody's watching they usually all finish right around the same time that was a unique situation but it was huge for this team um it's still they're still going to have a hard time winning the division if it isn't a tiebreaker because of those three division losses the best they can do is three and three in the division but still this is again this that felt momentous because that's a game you chalked up as a as a raven's win
1: Ravens, you know, you're right. I think they've they're either playing down to their competition offensively, have been super sluggish. Uh, they're, you know, the loss of Rashad Bateman I think is really starting to show itself as they struggle to find a passing game. You know, the, the the Ravens still have to go win games, and the Bengals are playing a, in my opinion, from from my seat, a far better brand of football than the Ravens are right now, yeah. and uh, we'll see what that means. Uh, come the end of the year, if it's enough. I mean, if a better brand of football against this schedule is enough, uh, then the brand of football the Ravens are playing against the teams that they have to play. Uh, we'll see. But for right now, standings, Jay, you tweeted this out, that uh, if this season ended right now, uh, the Bengals plane would turn around in midair, hopefully not too dangerously, and <laughs> go back and land in Nashville and play them again. Uh, and I don't know how many times the Bengals want to go do that again. <laughs> Those are some physically taxing games, but they have now twice proven they know how to go down there uh and do it. I'm all for it.
2: I, I love coming down here.
1: Who doesn't? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh so again, the the, the playoff picture starting to round itself out a little bit, but it continues next week. Kansas City at home. Uh if uh, is is I, I again like I hate to continue to do this, but the just the similarity is of all of this. It's like, you know, you have get they're finding ways to win these big games. They're in this stretch of tough games down the road. Here comes Kansas City at home. And who comes Jamar Chase back just in time. The guy who put up 266 uh against Kansas City last time they played in Cincinnati in one of the most epic games in the history of that stadium. Kansas City's offense playing at a level as good as any we've seen this century. Uh, There are some stats going around this week by the DVOA, the Football Outsiders folks, when you compare it uh, uh, across any offenses that we've seen uh, over the last 20-plus years, and they are playing as good as anybody. Um, That hasn't mattered. And so that will be uh, Bengals-Titans, man. Or uh, Bengals-Chiefs, man. This this week is going to be uh, story of the week biggest yep. two teams playing incredible football right
2: now one more parallel that game last year against the Chiefs gave the Bengals a third straight win that was the first time they'd ever won three in a row under Zach they turn around do it again in the playoffs do it again today they've now won three in a row they could do it they could beat the Chiefs next week to again set a new winning streak record in the Taylor era it would be their fourth in a row and one other thing that was interesting today as we're talking standings it must have been a talking point this week because it both of them were completely unprompted but sam hubbard and jesse bates both talked about how cool it was to go undefeated in november and when these games matter and i hadn't even thought about it but they're right because they had the bye and they're three and oh in november and they i think that might have been something that was part of a a uh a night before meeting last night at the hotel or maybe the week leading up to the game. Cause for them both to mention that unprompted kind of struck me.
1: Bengals started zero and two. They are now seven and two and they add uh, another signature win. I think that, you know, there's been a lot of yeah, buts to what they've been doing over the mm-hmm. course of this stretch. There's been a, oh, you needed everything to beat Dalton and the saints and Carolina stinks and Atlanta was all beat up and they stink. and, Steelers, Kenny Pickett, come on. I mean, there's just been a lot of that. And you y- y- laid a clunker in minor football against the Browns. I mean, there's been a lot of that, despite how well they've been playing overall, despite the statistics they've been putting up, despite the consistency they've been seeing and in- everything that we've been documenting along the way. But now to do it this way against this team, I just think there's a lot of respect that de- is deservedly placed upon having uh, how hard it is to go into Tennessee and win, I think is a is a real proof of of where they're at in the AFC. And right now, I look at, you know, Kansas City, Miami, Buffalo, mm-hmm. and the Bengals, and and I, I the way the Ravens are playing now, I, I have everybody else in a tier below. I, I think they're just playing such good football um you still wonder about the defense in the against these top passers the secondary there was that's the one thing that's left unchecked it will not be left unchecked after these next few weeks yes particularly next week we'll see how the pass defense holds up uh against Patrick Mahomes who you know dis- we talked a lot about uh an irritated team revenge on the mind uh in Tennessee well Revenge and irritation will again be a theme uh, against Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes certainly remembers how everybody spent all offseason talking about how he was totally befuddled in the second half against Lou Anarumo. I bet he thinks about that this week. But we have plenty of time to talk about that, Jay. Yes. Plenty of time, plenty of content coming your way as Bengals and Chiefs comes up next week. But for now, we'll wrap the walkout up, uh, and we'll talk to you again on Tuesday for Hear That Podcast Growl. Looking forward to that. Uh, So thanks, everybody, for listening. Please subscribe to The Athletic. We have our deal going on, best deal of the year going on. One more day. Get in while you can. Hurry up $1 a month for the next 12 months. If you've ever wanted to subscribe, uh, this is the time to do it. The deal won't get better than this. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We will uh, talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody.